Hello everyone, it's just Scott here. Hey, this is not so much our lunchtime catch-up podcast kind of um, broadcast, but a few have asked me to put this up on an audio file, and this is pretty much the only way I can do this. So on Sunday, I had a sit-down on Zoom with Jeremy City and Gary O'Donnell, and what I asked from my Facebook group that I run called True to the Red Sash to have, you know, have our members ask them questions and as I presented them to Gary and Joe and we just had a really good discussion just about a whole lot of stuff. Uh, now part of it why I wasn't going to originally release it is because I missed the first 10 minutes it didn't record properly so but what I'll do is I'll, I'll bring it into where it starts recording and there's still like about an hour left of conversation so for those who are struggling a bit or just like to listen to a podcast I thought why not it's just something to listen to it's a really good chat with two guys and look what had happened is, is Gary actually didn't know Joe Missidi was going to come on so Joe came in probably comes in around about 10 minutes into the show um, and it was a genuine surprise to Gary that Joe suddenly popped his head up on Zoom and said g'day. So that's why you'll get a, a bit of a funny reaction, but it was a kind of a really nice moment too. So what happens is uh, I asked him the question of Turner in Richmond, who's a people who are a bit younger, they might not know this, in 1995 we played a final against Richmond and Scotty Turner behind the play totally cleaned up Gary O'Donnell, really dog act. Um, so I was asking him about that incident and this is where the conversation uh, picks up with Gary O'Donnell just to give you some context. So I'll play the rest of the interview. It goes for about 59 minutes and hope you enjoy it. Thanks, guys. He would have got probably six or eight weeks nowadays. Uh, play, it was in general play or sort of was just behind the play and just out of the play. So, and the play kept going. It didn't stop. I'm not sure how many saw it. So I'll defend the teammates by saying, um, yeah, that maybe not many of them saw it, but he's yeah. not only got me, he got David Grenbold later on that game as well. So, yeah, really bad day for us. And they, they took them. They, were, they had a bit, bit of momentum at that stage anyway. They were about three goals down and they'd already kicked a goal or two after half time. But yeah. Yep, in the end result only was 10 points. So for, we had blokes going down everywhere. I think someone else might have been injured. So we only had uh, one fit on the bench, I think. So, you know, look, full credit to them. They they went on. But Scott Turner, yeah, look, I've, I saw him at the grand final last year, Richmond uh, GWS, after the game outside. And there was Richmond people going up to him, going, oh, Scotty, Scotty this, Scotty that. You know, that and I didn't bother going near him, I I said to my partner, yeah, look, that's that bloke, remember him? And, uh, and I wasn't going to go near him and give him the almost the satisfaction. But um, from time to time, I still get people on Twitter um, that if they don't agree with me if on some Essendon post, they'll say, um, yeah, what about Scotty Turner? That's all, they, that's it. Or just I'll just tweet me, Scott Turner, that's it. So um, they're obviously the ones that, have, that hide behind... Uh, a Twitter profile that's not uh, public, but yeah, that's that's their that's, life. Yeah, I think we in all the preseason that. in the preseason of '96, there was on the, the wall in the gym at Windy Hill that had been put up a poster saying, "Anyone who knocks Scotty Turner out in this year coming year gets a thousand bucks from O'Donnell." <laughs> <laughs> I, I was not 
going, oh, we didn't have a thousand to give anyone. But the first, the first game of the following year, we didn't play. Uh, he didn't play, and then the second yeah. game, he played. And uh, Dean Wallace, Peter Somerville, started the game. Went up, shook his hand, said, "All the best today. You won't be walking off the ground today. You will not walk off." Um, uh, he didn't. He walked off. He did walk. No one got him, but I think he had about two, three touches all day. So it actually worked. There you go. Hey, uh, and that's thanks from um, Slats from Taylor's Lakes and Brendan from Doverston, is it? I've never heard of that town, actually. Uh, so That's good. It was, it, it's um, good to have someone not from the same name, suburb or town. It was Rod <laughs> from Riddles Creek and Simon from Sunbury. So we've, like, we've, uh, we've stopped that synergy. Well, maybe that's just his name, Brendan Doverston. Sorry, Brendan, I realise that's probably yeah, that not one. the actual town. That's your surname. And he's from, and he's from Baronia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or Brunswick. So, Georgia, who I know well from Bourlene, how, how were you chosen captain and what are the differences in responsibility from player to skipper? Uh, it was a different time then. We've got leadership groups now with, you know, four, five, six, eight, ten blokes in them. So the, the leadership is, is shared. And, you know, there's lots of consultants that come into footy clubs now that, that uh, train your whole group up to be leaders, I suppose. But back yeah. then, it was just sort of something that just evolved, I would have thought. Uh, Bomber Thompson um, was... Uh, he broke his arm, I think, midway through 95, didn't play after that. Um, passed and then retired and it sort of just passed it on. Uh, it was probably three. It was Paul Salmon, myself, Mark Harvey that were sort of the most senior guys left. And Paul went to, or Fish went to Hawthorne. And then you, you had myself and Mark. So it sort of just, it almost evolved. I, I don't think players picked that it. it would have been a match committee decision sheets that uh, that chose he probably would have consulted all all range of stakeholders in the club players and that but it would have been his decision whereas these days more so your players pick it and then it just gets endorsed by your your coach and your board so the different look you know you just I just tried to lead by example I suppose you've got you don't expect anyone to do anything you wouldn't do so that that's a big thing in 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 leadership I reckon um and uh, yeah, you, you treat everyone the same, and you try to be as honest as you can. And yeah. um, hopefully, everyone gets on board with you. And but you get as a as a leader, as the captain, you get you get um, inspiration or leadership from the youngest bloke on your list if he does the right thing yeah. and uh, uphold, upholds the standard. So you're always looking for your young blokes to come in, your first year players to be like that. To to conform as quick as they can and they rub off on your senior players and give them energy. Is that, is that kind of what happened 93 a little bit with the, with the younger guys coming through, um, giving that kind of energy and bomber. I mean, you got bomber as a very senior, but you really, you were driven almost by a younger group coming through. Absolutely. We had, yeah, there was three or four of us that had been around us, the three that had played in premierships, half bomber and fish. Then you had about, six or seven of us that had, were still smarting from 1990 to lost grand final, that disappointment and that embarrassment. It was an embarrassing day that day to allow them to win after 32 years. But, yep. you know, guys like Somerville, Buick, Grenville, myself, Chris Danaher, uh, those types, um, Longy, just 
we hadn't tasted it. And the 84-85 premierships resonated around the club. And all we heard about actually was, you know, the great Simon Madden and Watson and Terry. And, uh, yeah. and we, the, the six or seven of us, we almost got sick of it. And we, we decided it was our time. So it was a perfect, it was a perfect storm. You have seven or eight young blokes that come into the team either in 93 or had been blooded in 92 and played in a premiership, reserves premiership. It's what the club's done a lot. They've won reserves premierships and then yeah. they win the premiership the next year in the seniors. It's, it's uncanny. But they had so much energy. They, we only had 10 simple team rules that we had to follow and they, they were like plasticine. They just really were able to... And sponges, I suppose, they, they took everything in and they didn't know how to lose. We, there were a lot of games in 93 when we were behind and in, you know, in, the, in, in the second half and were able to come from behind. And probably the 93 uh, prelim, prelim was, um, that wasn't the first time. We knew we'd done it a few times during the year. And so we still thought you know, we may have been a chance at halftime in that game as well. Do you remember smoking German City's goal at three-quarter time, 93 grand final? Is that, do you sense that was the breaking point for, uh, for, for that grand final? It was. Yeah, we still needed to uh, do the job in the last quarter. I think Carlton had just had a run of three or four goals to get back reasonable distance to us. But just before then, Dave Kelthorpe, he burst out of the centre after, I think, the Tommy Elvin goal. Burst out of the centre and kicked one from 60. Those little legs pumping and those stumpy thighs um, kicked at you know, 65 metres on the run. That was, a make, that was a great grand final goal to just sort of, you know, put the, the thumb back in the dike yeah, to, yeah. to stop the, the water getting out. But then, you know, uh, there was still a minute or so in the game until uh, three-quarter time to go. And we're, we're probably just sucking down the clock for a little while. And I think there was three or four of us that had you know, shared the ball on that outer wing and half-forward flank just to suck the time and get to three-quarter time. And I think it was, might have been the Dean Wallace, just a long kick in, just inside 50 on the boundary. And Joey, take, firstly, takes a really good mark and then just, for a young kid to just do that in a grand final, set shot, you know, he's probably coming from about the third row and it's split in the middle. It just, yeah, just Carlton had given their best, I reckon, and for those two yep. goals just to happen then, uh, the, the grand final, about, you know, 10 minutes into the last quarter was done and that was the best 20 minutes of my football career uh, to run around on the ground knowing we were going to win. And just to suck it all in, look around the stands, have a look at all the supporters, you know, knowing that we, we had it, it was just one of those magical moments. Well, speaking of the man. Joe Matheny. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. So, we'll wait till his audio. Can you hear us, Joe? Yeah, I can now, mate. We, we just Joe had... dressed up for us. We've got a collar. We've got a collar. <laughs> Back in the nightclub days, mate. No collar, no entry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. How are you? Good, guys. You, mate? That's the way. Good. Yeah. How you? How you go? You're a very social person. So how are you going in um, isolation? It's killing me, guys. Killing me, mate. Killing yeah. me. Monday, Friday's okay because I can still work. But yeah, Saturday, Sunday, getting locked down, mate. It's not. It's not suited to me. No, not at all. 
Not no. at all. I don't envy you. The one, one of the extroverts, one of the blo- one of the really social blokes that loves mm. loves life and loves other humans to be locked away on his own. Gee weird. Yeah, not great, mate. How you going with the gas? You going okay with it? Yeah, good. I'm a bit of a hermit anyway. I don't yeah. like people. I just like to be on my own anyway. So, <laughs> no, going over, going over, done all right over here in Perth. But, yeah. uh, still working, still working yeah. during the week, but yeah. um. Yeah, she's missing missing post involvement in footy, and that's all I all I do is watch footy on the weekend. You go there in the local pub, yeah, yeah, yeah. have a couple of beers and watch it with friends, and yeah. um, that's what I'm missing at the moment. Yeah, that's no, true. It's uh, we don't realise how much we take for granted, mate, until we get put in lockdown. Yeah. So could I? So we will never take it for granted again. No. Can I ask both you? Uh, you, I mean, this is from afar. I would say that you guys got you along guys, really well, but you're probably both very different personality-wise. What, what was it like? Is it both of you guys, if you play a Saturday night game, does one go home and one go out? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I can't answer for Gaz, but I was straight out, mate. Um, the siren <laughs> sounded at the uh, post-meeting, um, and then we were straight out and about, mate. I was only... I was only fairly young when I played with Gaz, so that's what's um, that's what we used to do. We knew that though, uh, Scott. So we, we we knew where he was going. So we had ice packs there, so we could you know wind down from the game. <laughs> and, uh, just a, a couple, couple of cokes or a couple of Gatorades first before then he got his other hydration in. <laughs> so look, we we're actually just before he came on, Joe. We actually it was a beautiful segue actually because we were literally just talking about three-quarter time goal uh, in the grand final. Uh, and we're just talking about the, the fearlessness of the younger group coming through then in the 93. They probably didn't, uh, almost, it almost felt like as a fan, they almost didn't, under, didn't understand the gravity of the moment. They're just fearless, young, just play on natural instincts. Is that how you kind of saw a little bit of that 93 season? Uh, oh, no doubt. Well, well, footy was always just a, a fun game to me, mate. And I was just lucky that I was, I was good enough to play at the top level. But, yeah, especially in 93, uh, we had no fears. Uh, we, had a, we had great leaders around us like, like Gaz and, you know, Bomber Thompson, Mark Harvey, Paul Salmon, these blokes. So um, they sort of kept us in check, make sure we didn't, uh, didn't get led astray too much. But, yeah, as you said, we, had, we pretty much had no fear. We were just told to go for it, take risks. Our motto in 93 was speed kills, even though I, I could never do that. And, and as is in my boat too, but um, we just told to go for it, take risk and just enjoy a game and let's see what happens. I guess speed kills can also be decisions by hand and foot too, though, can't it? It's not just necessary, just a running thing. It's, you know, you would almost say like a, a, a Greg Williams at the time, just a sheer smarts and, and quickness to decide a play is, is it's just as quick as, as a Michael Long running around the wing. Yeah, true. Yeah, well, that's that, that was uh, probably my only strength, my, my speed of mind. I, I, I used to think I was a step ahead of, of most players, and that's what I that's how I got away with my lack of uh, foot speed. But as you said, it's probably more important to have speed in your brain, I think, because just look at it nowadays. There's a lot of fast athletic players that have got no idea how to get the footy. Now I've got a, not, I've only, got a... not only Scott, he not only had uh, you know quick by mind on the footy field, being able to you know get it get rid of it and you know hit the right target and make the right decision but he was quick by mouth as well with the quick quip <laughs> and the quick comeback and the quick smart aleck remark and that, so, so gaz was, yeah. is that you being nice for calling me a smart ass <laughs> <laughs> you know what that was one thing these young blokes 
brought to the table as well. It was a bloody good year, good um, good environment to be around as well, because they were still, you know, they were still, you know, footloose, fancy free. They just, they were loving life, and that rubbed off on us. You know, there was the odd time you'd probably get out with them too and have a good time, and that probably kept kept uh, kept us all together and and you know relaxed us and and got us up each week. Yeah, well, Scott, I've got one for you, mate. Um, all the older boys, we used to go out um, uh, most weekends. Oh, sorry, I'll rephrase that. We used to go out every weekend. Um, and, and if you just said the old fellas, when it was finished time to, sorry, training was finished on a Monday, you could just see them loitering around their lockers waiting for the young fellas to get in the showers to tell the stories about the weekend just gone, mate. So that's what they used to do. The, the spa. The spa on the Monday night was the place to be. <laughs> What? And then that happened. What? And then, and then you did that. Oh, what? What? And then he did that. That's crazy. Well, uh, well, Joe, uh, you, you might not know this, but uh, the last couple of weeks, Gary O'Donnell's been joining us doing uh, our top twenty players of the nineties for Essendon. Now, I don't want to tell you a scandal, but there is an investigation into this because Ryan Connolly joined us, right? Yep. And and we we think there's something's been going on behind the scenes because at number two is yeah. O'Donnell. Yeah. Uh, and just for your intern, just for your reference, you're about number seven on, on Rowan's list. That's nice. But, so yeah, we, so there was a bit of a uh, behind the scenes investigation into this uh, with Michael Long and McCurry coming third and fourth and. Uh, what, but what, can you just sum up, in all seriousness, obviously Gary's a champion player. Can, your, your, your thoughts of when you started with Essendon and, and, and Gary, how did you see him as a player? Oh, after I got past his stunningly good looks, um, he, was, um, he, 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 was, he was the hardest. <laughs> Mate, there's no secret to Gary's success. He was the hardest trainer on the track. And, and, that, went for, and that was from my first day. I was never a hard trainer, as it'll tell you that, not for the first couple of years anyway. But um, as I said, there's no secret to Gary's success. He's the hardest worker on the track. Always did everything right. Um, always wanted to go the extra mile, uh, put his hand up for the, for the big jobs. Um, and, and as I said, was just a great all-round player that could read the play very well, but could just yeah, run, 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 run all day, which is probably why yeah. he'd probably suit today's footy perfectly, where, where I wouldn't. But yeah, he had a massive tank and, and a massive work, work ethic. And you put yeah. that in with um, natural talent, it's going to take you a fair way, isn't it? No, no, totally agree. Look, so I, I, Scott, yeah. all, the, all the dough, all the dough I paid to <laughs> Rowan Connolly, <laughs> I got none left <laughs> after I paid this bloke as well. And the, you know what the scandal was? All the money I did pay Rowan Connolly, and he didn't have me at my number one. Like oh. he could only fit me in number two. That's bullshit. There's no good. <laughs> well, can who, I? Who, who was number one? Uh, James. Oh, yeah. James. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bit silly, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it was yeah. Only the ninety. So it was the not purely like nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety nine. If yeah. It had to have been 85 to 95 or 95 to 05. Yeah. I'm down, I'm in the late teens. Because yeah, yeah. all you blokes have, have got full careers then. Yeah. And, but stiff shit, I'm number two ahead of You're you, Joe. Two. That's it, <laughs> you can take that, Cass. I'm more than happy for you to sit number two, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always said you talk, 
I always said you talked a lot of number two, so it suits you well. <laughs> well, <laughs> well uh, I, I, this is a true story. On the show, uh, my close friend is one of the hosts. He had Gary at number 11, and it was a four-part series. He literally was banned from the next show. Oh, that's fair enough, too. <laughs> <laughs> so... So I think he even had you maybe even higher. So uh, he had, no, you know what, like he had me, Joey, he had me so low that he had Ryan O'Connor in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Just... <laughs> and well, Tony it... Delaney. Tony Delaney was ahead of me as well. And Russell Williams, the only redheaded indigenous player in the center of my life. <laughs> well, the, the, I, think the, I think the comment was that it was between you and Willie Dick, uh, Gary. Well, so, uh, Willie Dick, yeah. What a name that is. 11. He was, um, he, he's in the wrong industry, a football player. He should be in, a, in another industry with that name, Willie Dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, let me uh, get on to, I'll make sure, I'm on, I want to make sure I get some members' questions out of the way. And, and I'll do some of the questions that can, you both can sort of uh, contribute to. So this is um, David from Kilsyth. Which team member took you under their wing when you arrived at the club? Oh, and it's, it's also Gwenda, um, who's an admin on our site. Well, if I go first, just quickly, I had, um, believe it or not, Mark Harvey took me under his wing, which I don't know if does a positive or a negative, but only because with the sort of connection we had uh, with local clubs, he played cricket up at Keeler Park, which is my club, and he knew a lot of my mates, and he pretty much said, well, here's this young fella from, from Keeler Park, I'd better steer him in the right direction, but I'm not too sure if he did, but um, yeah, he, he was great to follow in the club and to see what he did, he was a pretty decent player at that, at that stage. And he probably came in the same way as me where he played juniors at Aquila and then played early on in 84 as a, you know, I think, 19-year-old and won back-to-back flags when he was you know, 19, 20. So we sort of yeah. followed the same path pretty quickly. But oh, there was a lot of great people to, to follow down there. Obviously, you got the, the man at the top of the screen there. He was one to follow training-wise. But um, yeah, there was, there was a lot. And that's why I think Essendon was such a great club when I played because they had such great leaders at the top. Yeah. And the, the same with me too. <coughs> like three, four, five blacks could have been skippers in you know, 83, 84, 85 when I walked in. It was probably Neil Clark that was, but I knew Neil. He played, Nobby played with my father in district cricket for Ringwood as a 16 yeah. year old. And so I knew Nobby from there and he was probably the, the closest ally when I turned up. But then probably it took me, what, four years to get a game about uh, a year before I got a game in the seniors, I was in the gym one night after training. It was probably cold, wet, wintry night. And Brian Wood, who was still at the footy club, he'd come up to me and said, oh, Gary, you know, keep, keep at it. I reckon you're going to make it. So just one word, one little conversation, one little um, sentence like that, that a bloke out of nowhere just says to you, uh, gives you a little spur and keeps you interested in um, a career probably that w- was going nowhere for three three years and then well, it took another year, but <laughs> who knows, these days, you know, they'll move blokes on before that. So, yeah, and Nobby Clark and Brian Wood, I'd probably endorse as well. Just a, just a follow-up question, Gary, because I actually had one, uh, Rick Edwards, who's a good friend. Um, he lives in Essendon, uh, so that's good. <laughs> well, he was actually going to ask you, what part, uh, what part of your game were you told that you probably needed to work on during your reserves apprenticeship time. Um, 
And and that during that time, were you ever tempted to go to another club? Uh, never tempted to go to another club because no club ever approached me. I had, <laughs> I don't know if you know, if anyone remembers a guy called Steve Parsons. He was the young bloke that played for Richmond in the Windy Hill Brawl in 74, 75, something like that. He was, so about 87 or 86, 87, he was, I saw him at a party. Um, it was actually his younger sister's 18th and one of my mates was going out with her actually and he said he was coaching Brunswick in the VFL or the VFA maybe in those days and said uh, Gary if you ever need a, go, a footy club to come to and play uh, come come to us Brunswick so I had one offer uh, yeah. coaches when blokes aren't getting games will tell, tell them anything they'll yeah. tell them anything to keep them going uh, Sheeds Gary I just don't reckon you you your ball drop you know, on your right side you know, when you're kicking. You're just, you're just not quite good enough. You've just got to you know, get that better. You know? Yeah, all right. I'll, yeah, no worries. Like, yeah. I've kicked on it three times in my career, but that's all right. <laughs> my, my, my left foot's a, a cannon, uh, an item <laughs> like something a surgeon uses in an in operating theatre. But, you yeah, know, I'll, I'll take that feedback on board and I'll keep going. <laughs> But look, the, the the team was pretty good, and look, I was I was pretty green as well. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> watching that, um, some of those '84, '85 Hawthorne Essendon games when you know it's an all-in punch on, blokes felting each other, you know, blindsiding each other. I'd be, if I was home that day, I'd be I'd be in the tenth row, sitting next to some old lady having a cup of tea. I'd jump the fence. So I, I had a lot to learn, and a lot to to develop before I was going to get a game, especially with the teams they had as well. Yeah. Can I ask both of you now, um, uh, I've got one question, um, uh, which is Grant, you're number 11, uh, Gary, so you can answer this with a, with a, a sense of frustration and anger. Uh, apart from the premierships, uh, is there another game that kind of stands out to you where you either felt like you really belonged or played exceptionally well? Is there, is there a game that went, man, that was, I was really on song outside of premierships, so. Um, <clears throat> hard to think. Like that game we played earlier in 1990, mm -hmm. that was, uh, I, I remember that game vividly. It played on Dacos and he was in, like he was in good nick. He kicked, 98 goals, 97 goals that year. And quite often they'd put him one out. And that day, actually, against the Breeze, though, they put him one out in the 50. So I'm on him as, as the, you know, the, the last defender, the full back. So, um, and he, he had a really good game that game. So that's, that's one. The, 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 the good players you play on sometimes, the ones you... Yeah, I used to put my pants playing on Darren Jarman because they do... It was all right playing on him on ball, but sometimes they'd isolate him up for it as well. And you'd go, oh, Jesus. Because he didn't fall over. He could do it, do it both sides. He didn't fumble. And he knew where the goals were. So that had you tightening up a bit. But, yeah, yeah that, that game. The, uh, yeah, maybe Joey can give us something and I might have thought of something in between. Oh, mine was... Um... Oh, well, Sheej had a reputation for, as Gaz has just mentioned, is pretty much 
um, throwing, if you're a young fella on your first six games, 12 games, throwing you on the good players. I remember I played the last two games in 92 and went okay, had a big pre-season in 93 and thought, shit, what's going to happen here? And I reckon round three or four in 93, we played Carlton, then we had the draw mm. and Cunahan uh, missed that <laughs> set yeah. shot from yeah. about 48 metres. Yeah. Um, he put me on Greg Williams for the first half. I'm an 18-year-old kid playing on Greg Williams, who um, yeah, he's probably one of the best midfielders to ever play. And it's speed of mind, not speed of legs. But um, just some of the things that he taught me that day, just by his running patterns. And as I said, I reckon I could beat him in a foot race. But you know, he, I'd look at the ball and he'd be 20 metres away and he'd get the ball in the next sort of, next sort of play. And yeah, some of those things he taught me that day, I used throughout my, my whole career. Um, at half-time, he had about 25 touches on about eight. So Sheeds thought might be a chance to... To get someone else on him, but uh, just that game when I, when you get to playing a, an out now champion, uh, and you're just yeah. a still a star eyed star eyed kid, um, it was a pretty big learning curve. But one of those games where you think, you know, I, I might be half a chance of sort of making it here. Yeah. No, no, very very true. So if we're going on, um, let's see who we've got. So there was actually a bit of a modern modern question, um, uh, Jeff from Cranbourne, just talking about actually you guys as sort of being um, ex-Essendon kind of legends. Uh, seeing Essendon today, uh, how have you assessed, and Gary, you're probably a good one for this being in coaching ranks. Uh, have you assessed the decision by Essendon to have the transition one-year phase with Rutten? And does, do you think that if it goes, if it's done well, it leads to actual success, um, I guess, I guess in, the, in, the, in the short term? Or longer term. Uh, with, with any coaching appointment, you don't necessarily have to get the best coach. You just need to get the best coach for your team at that time. And sometimes um, different coaches have had a success at clubs. If they went into a club at a different time, earlier or later, they, they may not have. And vice versa. You have a coach that goes no good. If you had been at a club at another stage, you might have done all right. So, uh, yeah, I, look, a couple of clubs have already done the transition type um, thing, the Collingwood, the Buckley one, uh, up in the Swans with John Longmire. Um, who knows whether this is going to work? I don't know much about Rutten. I haven't met him too much. All I knew as a player, he was just used to hold on all day, all night. He's like Carly at Adelaide now. All they do is hold on. And you only get the chance to hold on when you play tight. So good yeah. on him for that. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully it works because the the club needs it. Yeah, you, we've been in the wilderness for a while, and um, it hasn't been fun. It has not been fun being an Essendon uh, follower or crazy supporter, as I've started to turn into as well. <laughs> just uh, um, just I, I'm from Roxburgh Park, actually. Just adding on to that, and I'll get you to start off with Joe. Do you think the current Essendon list as it's building at the moment has a chance to, for any sort of uh, ultimate success? Uh, well, I think they have only because I, I sort of played in one when I got to the club in 92. If you remember in 92, they got smashed, as you know more about this, by Hawthorne by about 100 oh, stacks. 160. 160 points in 1992 and we won the flag the next year. So I've been in a situation where we've been nowhere. Um, and in 93, no one expected us to even make the finals, let alone finish. I'm pretty sure we finished on top. So 
there is still hope. It just takes a bit of, a little bit of luck with injuries. You need Big Joey down the down forward to, to, to kick it to. Uh, that's where they lack a little bit, I think. And the midfield starting to come together. There's some pretty good players through there. And the defence has always been pretty good. But it's just that one game, that, that you know, that, that maybe that two or three-week period where you, you play well as a side and you think, oh, shit, we've got something here. And that's all it took. And I think it took us to, as we played West Coast Eagles. When they, remember, Eagles are the big muscle men from the West. And they won the, prim, they won the flag in 92. And we played them at uh, MCG late in the season. And this is when we're sort of just making our run. And that was the game that I think made, or especially the young blokes, believe that we've got half a chance here. People and the public, the footy public still didn't realise or didn't think we still had a chance. They still yeah. thought Carlton were pretty good on West Coast. But we beat them in the MCG when Fish kicked a whole heap of points and, and kicked the goal really late. And that was the jacket-waving game for Sheeds. And it was just that one game when you thought, oh, geez, we, we do have a chance. And that's all it takes for a group of players just to believe. Um, obviously, they haven't won a final for, for a while, which is... Not great, but, you know, they get to the final series, they win a finals game, and anything can happen nowadays because the competition is so even. Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Gary? What yeah, you... I, I agree. I agree. They still, like, generally there's, an, there's enough talent on the list. You've got to keep still finding talent as well. Joey Danaher is a key one, so whether he comes back from injury, if he doesn't, you need, we need to find a key forward. So I'm not sure he's at that. Well, no, we haven't we haven't got him at the club at the moment. That that key forward, if it's not Joe Danaher, we're going to find one, find a real good one. But the rest of them, yeah, there's some there's some spunk in the team. There's some there. Um, probably the mids just have to get a little bit more consistent. But as they play together, I reckon they'll get better. You know, Parrish has had a really good year last year. And McGrath looks good. Um, he'll only improve on the ball as well. Yeah, you know, there's Redmond, those sorts of blokes. They've got a bit of cheek. Yeah. You know, good to have Gleeson back. Um, and, yeah, generally we go okay you know, in the key positions down back, generally. So, yeah, there's, there's plenty of run. Maybe maybe one more mid that can, you know, really burst. But they, 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 they complement each other pretty well. So yeah. there's some sort of chance. They've just got to, you know, be more consistent. And you know, string games together. There's there's games where we, you know, don't we win and we don't expect to, and then we throw games where you, they should win. And the good teams just, in the end, stay up top part of the ladder because they just win the games they are expected to win. And when we get to that, it's uh, we're a good chance. Yeah. Sounds good. Hey, uh, my mate, uh, Matt Hugh Tennis, I think it was even reaching out to you on Twitter, <laughs> Gary, about Guernsey's, collecting Guernsey's. Uh, so he's a, he's a guy that collects, uh, I guess, uh, original Guernsey's and, and I know he's always requesting from players to see what they've got. But he does ask the question, Gary, what was your favourite memory from the days where you wore the number 44 in 87, 89? Well, I... War, I had the club record. I think I still do at 44, unless Tommy Bell passed me before he went to number two. Seth had it for a while, but he only he didn't pass me um, before he went to 27, and Justin Madden for a while. But no, I, I may have the club record. War for two seasons, about 40, 40 mid 40, 45, 46 games. Um, Favourite memory is the first game, because you always remember it. But yeah, we got done by pies the last. Seven, but there was a game at Windy Hill towards the end of the season. We played Melbourne. Uh, uh, I'm 
just actually I've just lost my ears. You can still hear me. Can you? Yep, yep, yep. The default. <laughs> anyway, oh yeah, you're back on my computer. Um, got the board half back, had to spin around, now it was blind turn. I think I bought Jimmy Steins and then ran a couple of bounces, kicked it from 60, and uh, Ron Barassi gave me goal of the day on World of Sport the next morning. So that is my <laughs> favourite memory in number 44. <laughs> so if you can find it on YouTube. I've, I've seen it, guys. I've seen that goal. Have you? Yeah. I don't, I don't know about the blind turn and the bounces and the 60 metres. <laughs> I you know, fell on your lap, you turned around once and you kicked from about 30 metres, mate. <laughs> from the goal stand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I got. I'm not sure I won anything. Hopefully, I got a Petra orange juice and um, Palaco shirt <laughs> and the uh, Julius Marlowe shoes as the goal for the day. I think when you started saying I balked Jimmy Steins, I thought this is not as uh, as appealing as I thought my, I think, <laughs> it might be. I think the other bloke was Alan Johnson as well, so he wasn't real tough either. I picked my mark, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, a good friend, Gay Williams, uh, in Montrose. Uh, she asked, who amongst your teammates could turn a game to our advantage? Oh, did, you, did you say who, Scott? Who? Yeah. Who, 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 who's... Other than, other than yeah. Oh, mate, I, I, had a couple, I had a couple. I had a couple. I had a Gary, but uh, yeah, Michael Long, he could turn it on in, and turn a game in, in, in 10 seconds. You've got Hurdy. You've got Merckx, so no one really talks about because he always had sort of um, Hurdy and Lloyd in, in front of him. But yeah, we had a lot of players that, that could actually changed yeah. the game and um, which that they were the superstars and yeah Scotty Lucas of course because you bob up at center forward center back and yeah but the big one was probably Longy I oh, sorry and I forgot a bloke that plays from the back pocket Gavin Wanganang he, he could do it yeah. as well um, so I, I was blessed to play with so many so many superstars and so many so many players that could uh, that could turn it on pretty quickly mm. all those blokes yes and the one that from the early days in my career like Tim Watson was just, uh, he's underrated now because everyone gets recent admiration syndrome. I call it RAS, R-A-S, yeah. recent admiration <laughs> syndrome. There's conversations, and Job was a bloody good player, you know, won a Brownlow and, you know, had a good stint, won three BNS. He, Tim, what they, then the question gets asked, you know, who was the better player, Tim Watson or Joe Watson? Tim Watson was something else. He hmm. could turn the game in a moment he kicked one day when you hill he kicked five goals in a quarter ruck roving this wasn't up forward he kicked five on the ball in a quarter he was something else explosive mm. uh good kick just tough run through blokes to get the footy he was amazing and people forget how good blokes were because you know, the game keeps evolving. The game now gets better. It's a better game, you know, and everyone's better. But, gee whiz, don't even mention <laughs> Joe with, in Tim's conversation in my eyes. Well, it, it's an interesting one because recently SEN and the Herald Sun had a, a bit of a debate between if everything was equal, if the 2000 grand final team faced the 1985 grand final team, they kind of sent, had a public debate about who would actually win that game uh i won't say what i said because <laughs> someone might get offended uh but uh what would what would be your immediate thoughts uh, i guess to both of you about and it's probably harder for you joe because of your age is to understand 
the 85 team, but obviously you would know him from, 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 uh, I guess, um, meetings with the club and everything like that and just getting to know them. But they're, they're two kind of very revered sides and, and both of sheets, uh, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about what that kind of matchup might look like. Uh, we'd, we'd probably win by 15 goals, I'd say. But um, no, it's, it's a hard one, mate. Mate, I was a Mount Essen supporter, so I went to both 84 and 85 grand finals. So oh, okay. I know, I know how good they are. But um, it's just hard. And, and I'm, at the moment, obviously, we're in lockdown and there's not much to talk about. So there's a, and I'm hating it at the moment where there's yeah, yeah. so much comparing from. Yeah. Years gone by to current because it's completely different footy. And some yeah. blokes back in the 80s probably couldn't play in today's footy and, and vice versa. Blokes playing today couldn't play in the 80s. So, so it is very, very hard uh, to compare. Obviously, in 85, they weren't as professional as we were in 2000. Um, mm-hmm. So I reckon we might have got them on fitness just because of the the, train, the extra training we did compared to them. But they want to train two, three nights a week in 85. And in 2000, yeah, we'll train every day. But mm-hmm. Every day, even the day after a game, we do recovery. So it was a lot more professional. That might have got us the edge, but who knows? Let's just put it down to we're both great sides and, and the Essendon supporters. Hopefully we can get back there sooner rather than later. Well, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, uh, I, I had that general debate as well, and I wasn't sure if I was going to bring that up because I, I, I'm a little bit like you, Joe. I mean, I, I'm a mad NBA fan, and they're constantly debating Jordan, LeBron, who's better, who's better. And and I, I kind of like Jordan and LeBron's answer, just just celebrate it, just just enjoy good players. Like, I just enjoy... Uh, it, it's too hard to dissect. Uh, uh, even though I'm from the Jordan era, and, and it's probably my favourite athlete nearly of all time, uh, next to James Hurd. But it's... I guess you're right. It's, it's, it's something you celebrate because they're, they're just two errors. Uh, Gary, you coming just after that kind of 85, coming in 89, were you one Essendon fan growing up? And what was your knowledge of that team? And, and seeing kind of the Harveys and Bombers and everything like that, how did you face that joining that joining Essendon at the time? Well, I was, yeah, I played under-19s in 84. Played about five reserve games as well. I was almost in, in awe and intimidated by a lot of the blokes that played in, at that time because they, they had a really hard edge to them as well. They, they took no prisoners in the game. And that's similar to the 2000 team. They had a lot of blokes in their team that had a real streak in them as well. And I reckon that helps your footy team as well. Um, had a lot of skill, had a lot of, you know, some of the, you know, the greats that have played in our, in our club over, the, over history, but still had that hard edge. And so did the 84-85. They, mm. they just... Yeah, and they, they trained, all their training, they trained hard. Sheeds was, tra- tra- Sheeds, we overtrained. We trained okay. too hard. He was from the Tom Hafey mould. Yeah. Probably killed Tom Hafey in 77 when the, the draw grand final. He trained them like, all, all you do is just butter them up and get them ready for the next one. He trained them into the ground and that's why North got them in the, in the replay. But Sheeds was similar. He used yeah. to train them hard, but everything they did, they did hard. So on the field, off the field, worked hard as well, you know, in their nine to five job. But can't can't compare them, can't. Uh, I, I was intimidated by a few blokes. Like just, I was just a young kid just coming in and going, you know, oh shit, you know, and that's some of the things you'd see them do on the field as well. That we had some real, <laughs> and, and at training, and at training, I saw own teammates 
um, treat a teammate at training like he's a Hawthorne player in a one-on-one -on -one drill or, you know, yeah. like Roger, I'm not going to name uh, Roger, well, Roger Merritt. Roger Merritt. <laughs> You're not going to name Roger Merritt. <laughs> <laughs> one, one time in a practice match, we played down at Rosebud or whatever, and Eddie was playing centre-half back or something and, you know, Rod, you might have been playing on Rog, and he tripped over in front of him in the general play, and rather than Rog just jump over him and keep running, he just walked down his back. It was unbelievable, like, against your own teammate, where there was punch-ons at training at times. Blokes had to be pulled away from each other at times. It was all happy after that, you know, off the, off the field and off the track, but Sheeds loved it as well. So uh, no comparison. Both great sides. I think one only lost one game and was stiff to lose that game. And then, what, 85, they only lost three for the year too. So, different errors too. Probably the 2000 team played against better teams. Whereas yeah. in 84, 85, you only had, you know, five or six decent teams and the rest were, you look at the fixture and go, yeah, we're probably going to win that. Yeah. Whereas... 2000, they looked at the fixture and go, oh yeah, shit, you know, we should go all right, but geez, they're gonna, they're a good chance because the team, the competition's more even with all the salary cap and stuff. For mm. I've got a good question actually from Sue Berlick. Um, is a for both of you, is there a player today that reminds reminds you of your of your own game? Oh, um, I don't know. Um... <laughs> you, can, you, can, um, you can say Nat Fife if you want, Joey. Or... <laughs> <laughs> my, my hair's not that long. Um, I'm not too sure. I, I like to watch a lot of the midfielders, but it's really hard to keep an eye on them nowadays because I try and take my young fellow to the footy and, and sit up high and try and teach him where to run to get the footy. But by the time you lock onto a player, they're on the bench because they've ran for three minutes and they're resting. So it, it is very hard to try and uh, keep a, keep an eye on it. But, uh, you know, all the midfielders... The, the, Dangerfield's a you know, a legend of a player. I love watching him play because he can do everything. He can he can you know break a pack open. He can take a big mark on the four line. He can kick goals. Uh, Five's another one. But there is so many good players. I like all the star forwards too. that can take a big grab. There's not too many around, going around nowadays. And uh, no, big, not for us. Lordy kicked a hundred <laughs> goals in in when it you know, a long time ago. But it's not going to happen again. But I like to see high scoring footy. Um, but as I said, I don't really watch. Anyone but, you know, the players I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach my young fella what to do. Yep. Any about you, Gary? Nah, this, I, none, none come to mind as far as the type of player, but ones that look like me, um, Lynn John. <laughs> so, yeah, we look alike. Um, probably even Merritt and Shield, if you moulded them into one player... <laughs> Look a bit like me as well, so he's. I reckon Shields. He must be putting stuff through his hair to make just to look like me. I just reckon. to look like you. Yeah, but um, they don't sort of play a little bit. But geez, at times you look and you go, oh shit, he looked like me. But it, they they play a bit differently differently to me as well. No, no, fair enough. Uh, look, we haven't got too many left. So again, thanks for joining us. Um, Oh, here's one, Gary. Is it, were you ever getting? Were you ever getting uh, close to possibly even getting a head? Uh, <laughs> I've almost said the wrong thing. Then head coaching job. Glad I said the word coaching. Uh, <laughs> at, at Essendon, and and did you, were you? Is it something you ever wanted to get a coaching role at Essendon? No. Look, I enjoyed my time 
coach and did it for 18 years, three stints of six years, but I never saw myself as a senior coach. It's just my personality and just some things I didn't do well enough that you have to do to be a, a senior coach that thought made my decision that, yeah, I wasn't going to be that. So I had opportunities. I had asked, I got asked to throw my hat in the ring at a couple of clubs, but um, didn't do that. Yeah. Um, so I sat down and talked with one club about just a process, but never, never went through with it. Yep. So, um, and I certainly had, you know, a lot of in footy and in sport, a lot of it's perception these days. And I had, I did have perception um, coming out of Essendon and then being at Brisbane when they won three flags. Oh yeah, not they just run a market on anything, and yeah, oh, yeah he'll, he'll be, he'll do it, he'll be, he'll be fine, but. Um, one thing I didn't expect, uh, Damien Hardwick, when I left in 98 as a player, I didn't expect him to be, become a coach. And he's been, you know, he's one of the better coaches now. And he's actually, he's proven that um, you keep improving as a person as well. And you keep improving yeah. as a coach. And um, in life, that's in everything you do, you keep improving. And he's, he's made every post a winner, hasn't he? Yeah, look, just a quick one too, Gary, while I've got you. Matt Wilson just was asking a really good question. He's saying, considering your own VFL apprenticeship experience, do you have an opinion on the draft age eligibility? Yeah. Um, I always, I, I, I've never thought about it enough, so I thought just keep it the same. But there's a lot of arguments come out in the isolation where people are saying, give it another year. You have your Tim Watsons of the world that play at 15 and Sam Walsh at Carlton last year just fitting the footy like hand in a glove. Then you've got other blokes that you know, don't get a game until 24, 25. They go through the back to the lower comps and then develop and come back and, and come back as pretty good players as well. So hmm. look, I don't know if it, if it helps kids get through the year 12. I don't know, there's some pretty impatient kids though to, if they were be, to be asked when they are of stand and imagine telling Sam Walsh to go and play and, and Andy McGrath go and play in um, the VFL for a year and, you know, cool your heels and they're good enough to be playing the AFL. So, yeah. And, and you're not, you're not playing for a long time. You're only playing into your early thirties. So if you're robbing a year at one end, yeah, who knows? There'll be there's arguments both ways, and I haven't cleared it up by what I've just yep. said. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll go to you, Joe. Uh, this is one of the final questions. Uh, uh, Andrea Penrose um, was asking, and it's it is uh, I guess for both of you, but just during your career through the I guess the late mid to late eighties, nineties, and and two thousand, was there ever a sense that you underachieved on on the overall success or were you, are you still actually okay with, with what's, you know, how, how success played out? And uh, I'm pretty, it gets asked pretty often, especially in that, you know, the 2000 era when, you know, we probably should, you know, everyone thought we we're going to win the prelim against Carlton. We lost by a point. We won 2000 and lost they won grand final, but I still believe it. It is very, very, very hard to, to win a grand final. Sorry, to get to a grand final, let alone win one. Yeah, so I'm pretty happy with my two flags. Um, I think we gave the supporters a great run there. Obviously, the ultimate is, you know, winning the grand final. But I still think the AFL should, you know, look at a, look at the um, EPL system where you can play each other twice and whoever finishes on top of the ladder wins the flag because that means you'd have been the best side for the whole year. Where 
you can go to a final series and be the best side up until round 22 and you know, get four or five year key players get injured um, and then don't make it for the final series, it can put a fairly d- big dent in your preparation and, and the best side you put in the park. So I'm very happy with my two. As I said, very, very hard to get one, let alone win one. Um, and, and I got one, I got one with Gaz and then I got one a few years later. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with the right there. Do you think with 2001 especially, if, if Essendon go in with a healthy list, they, they win that game? Because, yeah, no, you've, I mean, no with, with Herdy, no doubt hamstrung yeah, yeah. Uh, and the influence he had. And you've obviously got a number of other guys. Yeah. It, and, and you guys were up at, at, at the halfway point. But it yeah, just, yeah. It I, I, no doubt. As I said, I'm not taking it away from Brisbane because they were a great side. But, yeah, we had, um, I think we had about six blokes. I was one of them. They missed about 10 or 12 weeks during that year. And so you can do all the cross training you want, but it doesn't give you, you know, that proper match day uh, fitness. So I think we were underdone. As I said, I'm not taking it away from Brisbane because that was sensational. But I would have, that's probably only one of the sort of regrets I had. I wish we would have had a, you know, our full strength side. Yeah, Merck's down, Justin Blomfield, Heffern and myself. And it was two or three others, as I said, missed 10 or 12 weeks during that year. And it was all sort of yeah. back half of the year. So we're only playing final series on a two, three game preparation, which is not enough. Uh, and probably showed when we sort of ran out of legs in, in the second half. How, how about you, Gary? Do you think there was grand finals there to be had, or are you quite content with, with what transpired? Exactly the same as Joey said. They're hard, hard enough to get to, let alone win. Um, we had chances in 80, 89, I reckon, 90 and 96, but uh, just weren't good enough for various reasons. Whether we got the run of, rub of the green, you know, the, the Sumich stuff in 1990, uh, got smacked by Geelong in 89, but so probably didn't deserve it. Uh, nine, uh, 1996, you have to have two one-point losses, but you know, like, that's footy. You just take the one that you win and you savour it, and I'd be a cranky old man if I hadn't have won that one. So you just, there it is there. Sport, sport is really tough, tough, uh, gives you tough lesson, lessons in life and you just take the good with the bad. So, and I've just, I've just been out to the, the <laughs> look at that, that's the, that's the Jim Stein's Bork jumper. <laughs> I know I've got three jumpers because I've got 87, 88, 89, but I know this one's the 87 one because at the end of the season we went to Japan and Foster's were sponsoring it. And so they've, Betsy, the old property steward, has got his mum to stitch the old Foster's uh, <laughs> emblem on the back. So there it is. And stinks like it's been in a case, stinks of mothballs. But uh, there it is, Matt, Matt, isn't it? Matt Tanase, there you go. <laughs> wow. Now, I still fit into it comfortably. Was that, was that Justin Madden's also old number? He was, and then, yeah, he played about two seasons, but not as many as me in 44, and then he went to Carlton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, look, uh, the only final question um, is just uh, for both of you, but it's a very hard one to answer. It's, it's Liz from West Meadows. She's just saying, uh, are you actually happy with the coaching setup at Essendon? Are you happy? Do you think Rutten is, is, is the, right, the right move with, with halves and... And I guess Karis, Karachella, I'll say the right saying. Uh, are you kind of happy with with the movement they've had with moving Karachella into the side? And you can tell um, this is my just my own view. Uh, 
I'm a pre, I'm a guy that really likes to watch closely. I felt this preseason, which was it's really frustrating because I felt this preseason when uh, we we probably started up playing uh, a Melbourne kind of VFL side at Casey. We won that by eighty, but it was kind of like neither here or there. But I actually went to that game, and I what. Switched. What caught my eye was actually the intensity of our guys, and then we went over to the West Coast game and, and played at their, basically their their training centre in West Coast in, the, in this year's preseason. We went over there. We went to Colac to play Jong. We won there. Then won in Fremantle. Probably a little bit lucky, but scraped over. But it, it felt like you could see in passages of play this season our ball movement of what they're trying to look to do and. And probably a little bit of the Richmond mould of the, the the handball run through the middle, a bit more chain, move the ball forward at all costs, punch it forward, do whatever you can, just keep moving it forward. It, I don't know if what what kind of vision you guys saw, but did, is that is that probably what you're thinking? The thinking is is that not being copycat Richmond, but at least at least improving in areas that Richmond have been so so successful at. I'll go with you, Gary. Uh, look, the, you've just got to take it on face value, the random sample we got. They look like they're moving the ball better. And look, the coaching setup, Liz, good, good question. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, hopefully it works. And um, you've got people that have been at successful clubs bringing their knowledge, their, um, what do they call it, intellectual property in. And hopefully yeah. it rubs off on our players. But too early to tell. I was at the West Coast game at Lathlane Park, the practice match. Yeah, the preseason game. It was good ball movement. Good ball movement. So that was good. I interested. You said Caracella. Does that mean you've you've added the H? So we have to call Joe Machiti. <laughs> Joe Machiti. <laughs> I I'm not daring to yet. <laughs> Just in case it's wrong. And it's wrong. It's it's Mercedes. <laughs> Pretty easy, guys. There's no H there, mate. Okay. No worries. <laughs> I won't get you machete about it. <laughs> You're on fire today, Gaz. On fire. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Joey, how's the uh, Joe? How does Mercedes Logistics going? I know that's your your business. And oh, thanks, thanks for asking, mate. No, it's going okay, mate. We're we're an essential service at the moment, being in the transport industry, so we're still going. Um, yeah, it's, it's dropped off a little bit, which I think everyone. Uh, it's come All our jobs every, yep. With this, with this lockdown and we just don't know where it's going to go. So I've sort of just got to hang on and make sure I can pay my bills and just keep my head above water while we can. But uh, anyone looking for transport out there, you know, anywhere in Australia from the single carton up to full loads, uh, just go to my website, which is Mercedes Logistics with no H, just an M-I-S-I-T-I, Logistics. And uh, yeah, all the details are on there. Uh, no, good, good thing. Well, um... Uh, and Gary, what's what's your uh, immediate future look like from here? Is it is it same old? Same old. No current plans. We just hopefully get out of isolation. They start to open things up again, and we'll uh, just yeah be with the Simon Black Academy at this point. Uh, trimester two in about three four weeks, but we'll see if they enrol. Otherwise, I'm I'm jobless. So maybe I'll be. Maybe. I'll be Maybe you I'll can do a song. Hopefully, Masiti Logistics delivers um, food in from <laughs> from 
soup kitchens over in Victoria and I'll get a few deliveries to keep myself fed. <laughs> is that seeing you know Simon Black so well, is there, was there any thoughts in you relatively fit to uh, do the Survivor? To go on no, Survivor, mate? Actually, that's on the agenda. I need a hip replacement. So <laughs> I can't run anymore. So Me too. I need one. And because elective surgery went out the door, that went out the door as well. But as soon as that opens up, that's probably a chance this year as well. And then I might go on Survivor. Be that who was the bearded bloke this year? Um, yeah, I'll be I'll be him. I'll grow a beard and be him. But it'll be. Hey, Gage, you, you'll, you'll, right. Gage, you're like me, mate. You, you're like me. You can't grow a beard. Hermit hairs. Yeah, they're all. But, well, they're, no, they're exercising um, social distancing on my face. <laughs> Well, sadly, sadly, this is normally about four days. So uh, I, have the, I have the opposite problem. So, um, well, thanks, guys, for joining us. Look, it's been absolutely awesome. For I mean, we, we really wanted to just have something for Essendon fans just who, uh, like you guys, uh, either there's a lot of people lost their roles, a lot of people just at home. And I just thought I wanted to do, do something nice and, and, and something just to have an hour out of their day, just to have a smile and talk some footy and and put something positive so i uh, look I, I can't thank you enough uh thank you joey that was a very last minute request <laughs> uh, but big thanks for com coming along and gary as always thank you for uh supporting the show and look have a have a great day guys and um uh, can't, can't say thank you enough no worries mate good yeah. to see you guys well that's likewise joe stay safe I shall. I'm going, I'm going straight to the beer fridge now, mate. It's beer time. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's all agree on that. So, uh, <laughs> thanks, everyone. And thanks to all the True the Red Sash uh, for your questions. And Scott, thanks, buddy. And just Scott back in the studio again. Uh, look, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, it was just something to listen to. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was. It wasn't wasn't intended to be on a professional kind of podcast forum. So it was a pretty. It really was just. It was actually a live event on on Facebook. So uh, I hope that's all okay. But look, it, it's just whatever entertainment I can provide or, or access to players' feedback and. Um, I just thought it'd be a nice thing just to put out there. So, look, I hope you enjoyed. Uh, we're just going to start working on what we can do next on, on the Lunchtime Catcher podcast where we're just d debating whether we go to, we've obviously been doing our 80s and 90s list, whether we go to the next decade. Um, from here on, <laughs> success is not that strong um, besides 2000. Uh, so we're just having debate how that might look and just I'm just reaching out to a few to see if, if any sort of ex-players can join us on it. So that's still to be decided. But uh, again, thank you so much for your support. It, it means a heck of a lot. It really, really does. Um, it's, we, we always get great numbers and, and people have been uh, listening, watching on YouTube for the first time. It's, it's all new to us as well. So it's just how this virus is and it's a whole new world. But um, I'm looking forward to getting back to footy and just getting back to our normal audio podcast and, and, uh, and getting back to that kind of rhythm again with work and everything. So I'm probably, you, you all probably feel the same. So let's hope uh, for we get something like a, a June, some mid-June maybe start or something like that. And, um, and that would be awesome if we can get most of our players free and healthy and, and back because there was a little bit of optimism actually coming in at the start of this season so i'm actually missing my footy a lot and I probably 
everyone noticed on the Anzac Day as much as we're the primary reason is is obviously for the for our our great war veterans and 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 ex people who who dedicated their lives to this country there was also there and there was a small element too of just having a sunny day and, and just missing the footy as well um so let's hope we can get that back with crowds or no crowds it doesn't really matter i think it's just good to have some footy back and and get some things back that that we're kind of used to but first things first let's beat this virus eh? so thank you so much for joining us uh this is not really yeah like i said a lunchtime catch-up podcast this is just me <laughs> uh, but i wanted to just put something out there so you could just enjoy and and yeah hopefully soon you'll get a lunchtime catch-up podcast uh with all three of us back again and and with something fun thanks guys catch up